Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast, boys. I'm Julian. I'm joined by Eric. Hello. Oak. What's up? And Chev. Hey. And we are a longtime playgroup joining the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. We're coming back at you for the second week in a row, and we got a very exciting topic. We're actually delving into a new format, uh, Popper EDH. With uh, Commander, Legends, all that good stuff coming out, I think the... It was with the the bulk drop that happens at the end of, you know, any spoiler season where Wizards just kind of, like, gives you all the cards that didn't get particular spoils, which, you know, personally, as content producers, like, we'll gladly take a few of those and give them some love. But, you know, it happens every time. And so I think it was one particular card, Explosion of Riches. It's a red sorcery, and I forget exactly what it does, but it's something like deals damage if you draw cards, um, draw a bunch of cards, but it's at red and uncommon and so it's like a, a super interesting ability that'll definitely show up in some of the commander legends limited decks but we'll definitely not see any love you know at the the higher levels of commander so i think it was julian and i were spitballing in our um hex drinkers discord about maybe kind of jumping into a format that could use cards like this and we played around with you know doing something weird like having a commander be just rare and then everything else has to be uncommon or below but julian was like nah if you're gonna do one thing like at least go full out uh so we we decided to try um popper commander given there's no sort of governing body for popper edh there's a few like enclaves in reddit and um there's a website, I think it's like pdhgamesrules.ca or something that kind of like goes over the format in depth. There's no real governing body that's making rules about it. Um, but it also means since it has a lot less expo- exposure, uh, it's less solved and there's fewer like clear lines of play. So it allows for much more sort of interesting things. It also saves us a ton of money because like if you're if you're making a deck of 99 commons, that's going to be cheap on the wallet. And that sounds super cool to be able to use draft chaff. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's commander rules understood, except your general has to be any uncommon card. According to Popper EDH, we decided on a house rule that we were going to use only legendary creatures for this, since we got a lot more with, uh, commander legends and with Dominaria and stuff like that. So we think this makes it more clear, like the commander and it gets around weird things like, uh, having an uncommon card that has an adventure, for example, start with 30 life as opposed to 40. And instead of 20 commander damage, it's 16. Oh, and we have one house rule uh, that the Brothers Yamazaki should have partner. Uh, Eric has been pushing for this since partner was shown in 2016. Since there are, in fact, two arts and they get stronger together. And it would just be super dope if you could have them. I don't think anyone made a deck for them at this time. But, you know, it's since since we're kind of like owning this own version of the rules for ourselves, like... We got to make sure we address all the things that we care about. The Brothers Yazamazaki deck will come in its own time. Just given the fact that they're immune to the legend rule when there's two of them and there's two arts, they should have been errata to have partner long ago. <laughs> Eric, we know you're a Kamigawa simp. We know it. <laughs> but, you know, that I think that's a, a good overview. What do you guys think? Is there anything that I'm, I'm leaving out for uh, what exactly makes Popper EDH different from the much more respected older brother? I mean, I think the biggest thing and part of what drew us into this is that it's just kind of like the Wild West, right? We haven't Mm -hmm. explored anything like this. We don't really know. And we'll talk about it later, but there's a ton of cards that we aren't able to play with, normal staples that normally we would put in decks. And there's a ton of cards that we didn't know were printed at Common that we now get to try out. And, you know, I love playing EDH. We all do. But sometimes you just, you know, 
you don't really want to be playing with all these mythic rares because they're just so powerful mm-hmm. and so impactful and sometimes depending on how many words are on the card so mentally taxing it's a lot nicer <laughs> to just uh you know play with some good old you know like four mana three threes and stuff uh just to kind of clean the slate and, and try something new so i think we're all pretty excited to hop in yeah, and I, I think really the same can be said not just about uh, Popper EDH, but Popper in general. It really is like it. there's a lot of unexplored territory. Uh, people just don't remember commons as well as they do, uh, you know, the cards that carry them through standard uh, throughout the years. And so um, there's that aspect and the fact that, you know, it changes just as much as every uh, other format does whenever new uh, standard sets are released. So... Um, yeah, and, and sort of piggybacking off of that sort of, like, whole new, like, whole new feel and, like, that Wild West vibe, it, exploring this is sort of, like, the feeling I got when I first sort of dipped my toe in the water of CEDH, where I was like, we're playing by the same rules, like, we're in the same arena, but it's totally changed, like, what's available. It, it feels like the feeling when a new set drops times 10, because you have to look at all these new cards, and when was this printed? Who made this? Like, what's going on? And uh, it introduces you to a whole new definition of, like, what's good in the format, and, like, cards you should be looking out for, and cards that are powerful are very different. So, Eric, you talked a little bit about, you know, like, this being kind of like your um, exposure into CEDH, and I know you've been, like, super hype on this one particular deck idea that does manage to keep some of the things that make an Eric deck an Eric deck. And I'll hold off on asking you how many lands are in it. Um, but, but what are you planning to run tomorrow night when we try out Popper EDH for the first time? Well, you're just going to have to find out how many lands are in it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll be drawing a lot of them because I'll be playing Simic. Uh, I'm playing Utropia, the twice favored, um, uncommon commander, uh enchantress deals with constellations (laughs) listen it could be common sir i don't think there's any common legendaries are there i'm almost positive there are i I think there's got to be like one just to be annoying um or maybe oh no piper there's a bunch in legends probably all the ones in legends got downshifted in like vintage masters or something because they're just vanilla beaters yeah because they're terrible those guys but anyway Mm -hmm. um yeah uh Essentially, whenever you play an enchantment spell, put a 1-1 counter on a creature, it gains flying Is the for the turn, is the important part of the effect. And so, I actually found this direction when I was looking around at some of the cards that uh, turned out to be common in the format, and I saw a lot of, like, the land enchantments uh, that sort of help ramp you out turned out to be common, and I was like, oh, well, what, what sort of cool enchantress build could I make? And I sort of d- fell on Eutropia. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is cool. This could be sort of like an Adric Spymaster of Tress deck, but with a little bit of Enchantress thrown in. And I've always really liked Constellation and 1-1 Counters as a mechanic. A super cool card, and I'm really excited to play with the deck in terms of the cards I've managed to find that, you know, obviously we're not playing with the best of the best here. That's the whole point. So we're finding some interesting ways to draw cards, some cool creatures to buff up, and uh, some fun stuff to get going with Unblockable and getting through even once Eutropia has left the field, but making use of those counters afterwards. Oak, you're also in uh, Simic too, right? Yeah, that's. I was exactly going to say that. I, I think it's interesting how different like your deck is, com- or the theme of your deck is compared to mine. M- mine, on the other hand, is 
not really creatures that start small and get bigger and get, like, uh, you know, forms of evasion. Uh, mine are, my guys are just big. Uh, just <laughs> right, right, right out of the gate. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm playing, uh, Brynlin and Gilanra. I, I always, I always mix up the N and the R. I want to say Gilanra or Galarna. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> I think the two of these guys, they definitely really stuck out to me just because of how close, uh, their text box seemed together, like, in terms of words. Uh, like, as soon as I saw, like, the converted man cost six or greater, like, whenever you cast, uh, on both of them, I just sort of instantly knew that they were, uh, match made in heaven. Theme of the deck is pretty much creatures with converted man cost six or greater. Uh, there's quite a few of go them. Go big or go home. Yeah, exactly. Mo most of them, uh, don't see a lot of play in normal pauper, which is a format that I'm a little bit used to. Uh, except maybe, like, Ulmox Crusher. I you hate that, that in, like, uh, Tron decks every once in a while. I thought it'd be fun to give them some time to light, and being able to just ramp into them and use Galanra as, like, a draw engine seemed really good for, I thought, this format specifically, being Pauper EDH, uh, which I'll get into more later. Basically, like, they're really uh, hard to get rid of once they stick. Uh, big creatures since there's pretty much no board wipes in Popper. There there are a few, but again, I'll get into that more later. Yeah, the no the no board wipes thing also sort of inspired my strategy of like, what are people gonna do about like ten like tiny flyers or unblockable creatures when there's no big removal options? And so I, I think we were thinking along the same track, but two different routes on the on the same plan. Yeah, absolutely. And clearly, like, with the colors, too, of yeah. our decks. So, just to give a quick highlight of a couple of the cards, I've got, like, obviously a bunch of big creatures, um, some with Hexproof, some with, like, you know, Trample, um, other forms of evasion, uh, some discount creatures uh, that are, you know, six converted mana cost, quote-unquote, like Hooting Mandrills, even though they're obviously not as much, and uh, Popper Classic in Mono Blue, which is Spire Golem. Uh, I know Julian loves that card, because I played against uh, him playing that card once, and I hated it. And, um, yeah, they're, they're just a, a whole lot in this deck I'm looking forward to playing. Uh, the least of which is not the fact that I got to put Colossal Dreadmaw in a deck. So, finally, the meme, hey. the myth, is realized. <laughs> which, uh, which set are you using it from? Oh, jeez, I Which Colossal Dreadmaw yet. are we going to be looking at? Um, there's so, there's so many options. Well, you might be playing with the biggest creatures, but I know that I'm playing with the smallest creatures because I'm playing a token deck. <laughs> so I'm playing Thalias Reverend Medium, which is a, uh, five mana Ortsov card, uh, that says at the beginning of each end step, I create X one, one white spirit creature tokens with flying where X is the number of tokens that I created this turn. But Julian Ortsov doesn't include blue. Well, Chev. You're correct. And I am the resident control mage, um, but my favorite color combo is Esper. So I'm, I'm at home with some black and white. There's a lot of good black and white stuff. But I knew for this, since we're going popper, we're going outside of our comfort zone, I didn't want to do any blue. I looked at actually like way too many different combos of partners. And eventually, after deciding that, unfortunately, it still probably wasn't going to be good enough if I didn't include either green for ramp or black for removal and draw on my deck. Uh, that I, I would go back. Uh, I, I liked Thalias ever since she was uh, printed, and a token deck is not something that I normally do. That's more of kind of a Selesnya Eric sort of thing. So I was like, well, let me let me take my own spin on this. 
So I'm playing a lot of cards that generate uh, multiple tokens, often one ones or two twos, um, and then hoping that I can just amass an army and uh, you know death by a thousand cuts sort of things, mm-hmm. and then also leveraging the fact that I'm just going to have a bunch of bodies to use uh, undercosted spells that either sacrifice creatures to destroy your creatures or draw me cards. So a lot of good pickups that I have. But I've, I've been looking over my deck this afternoon, and I realized that I don't think there's really any way that I can beat a 6-6 six, six, um, or even really <laughs> like a 4-4 four, four for that matter. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited to run it through, and of course then we'll – We'll be able to tweak in the coming weeks. Uh, I just had a quick question. Um, the deck I chose was between this and one other um, combination of Prava and Keskit. Um, and it was it was going to be a like token themed deck. Prava is as long as it's your turn. Creature tokens get plus one plus four, which is I thought was cool. And then like I, I thought it'd be best in Orzov, so Keskit is uh, black, and you tap him, sacrifice three artifacts and or creatures look at the top three cards it's, it's just a draw engine essentially for tokens so interesting i was okay. i was wondering if julian had considered that that specific combo i did not that actually would be interesting um i'm not gonna lie i'm a little bit disappointed with the black partners in this set i think they might be the weakest um but i was i really was trying to do some sort of partner thing and i just sort of i was still too clinging on to the conventions of regular EDH and I hadn't quite just said screw it we're we're just going to play a bunch of bad cards yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to make a, a partner deck for my next mm-hmm. iteration so we'll see yeah I'm, I'm kind of going the opposite I did partners this time but uh, my introduction to Brawl featured a couple of the uncommon legendaries from Dominaria which was Tetsuko Umezawa Fugitive which gives creatures with Power or toughness, one or less, unblockable. Or Valduk, Keeper of the Flame, I think, who at the beginning of combat make 3-1 elementals with haste equal to the number of auras and equipment attached to him. You know, originally I had this idea and I was like, could I make Togo somehow do something with equipment? But then, of course, Valduk is the other uncommon, so I can't have both of them Um, in a perfect world or in a non-pauper EDH world. I'd find some way to combine the two of them. Uh, with maybe something like Kodama and just have infinite 3-1 elementals. But, you know, we don't live in that world. We live in the uncommons and commons. So try as I might to make Togo do something interesting uh, with something like Kazul Toll Collector, who, of course, has the zero mana attach equipment. Or Champion of Flame, who gets plus two, plus two for each equipment attached to them. It just wasn't viable enough. And like the other guys have said, it's really hard to make something work outside of green or black. So I decided to make a deck that was green and black. I ended up using the partners Miara, Thorn of the Glade, and Numa, Jiraga Chieftain um, from CMR. Miara is one black and one generic. Whenever they or a elf you control dies, you may pay one mana and one life to draw a card. So it's a a pretty solid draw engine, especially um, if you can see where I'm going with this, because Numa, uh, Jiraga Chieftain, at the beginning of combat on your turn, pay XX uh, to distribute X 1-1 counters among either creatures you control or elves you control. It's not really relevant because this deck is elves. Julian kind of like, I was talking to him when I was putting this together at one point, and, you know, he could clearly see that Tago wasn't going to do what I wanted it to. And I don't know, maybe, you know, he was just wanted to stop getting a barrage of text from me, but he was like, just do what you started EDH with. Just make some elves. So I, I jumped in, you know, full force, 
and made a pretty sweet elf deck. Uh, a lot of the cards, you know, we'll go into later are common already because elves are one of the most well-defined groups in Magic and also happen to have the most mana dorks. But outside of that, you know, I, I, I looked at Abomination of Lanoir too, which is another new one from the set that gives power and toughness equal to the number of elves on the field and the graveyard and has menace and vigilance, which seems pretty wild. Uh, but that might be an alternate commander going forward. Uh, but anyway, you know, the, the, the deck is pretty similar to what you'd see in a typical elf ball. Jeff, I'd just like to say that I'm so happy you're playing elves just because you, you I know I've mentioned this before, but you are an elf. Um, I, Okay, that didn't that didn't quite come on right, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Like, no, I'm waiting for you to redeem yourself. Well, okay, it's better than saying he's a fairy. <laughs> your one of your first commander decks. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was uh, oh geez, the C14 elf lady. I don't remember her name. Freya Elise. Uh, no, it was. I, I had a Freya Elise in the oh, deck yeah. at one point, but it was uh, Izuri Renegade oh, right, Leader. Right, was the elf I just one. all I remember is playing that, that deck against uh, Doretti. But the other thing about elves and pauper specifically is it always just impresses me how many good elves there are at common. Like, you see so many of these cards played in, like, legacy elves. Like, Birchlore Rangers. Priest of Titania. Metal Sentinel, Quirion Ranger. You know, there's so many. Yeah, I think I think Wirewood Herald is one of the big ones being able to just tutor an elf. Uh, Quirion Ranger, of course, and Priest of Titania, yep. who taps for green equal to the number of elves you control. Mm. Um, I'm also hoping to see Timberwatch Elf put in some work, who taps to give a creature plus X plus X, where X is equal to the elves you control. Right. Uh, or maybe throw that on someone with uh, Infect, you know, maybe. Get out of here. Um, oh, but, no. you know, worst case, I've got Wellwisher sticking around to just gain all the life all the time. Oh, man. Who I know is one of Oakley's favorite cards. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, speaking of all these cards that you're talking about, Oak, that are like legit cards you named a bunch chanel sentinel uh i saw priest of titania when i was doing my research um there are a bunch of cards that we were as a group collectively super surprised to see at common so i we did just want i think we wanted to go around the horn and highlight some things that kind of stood out to us in terms of if you're trying to get into this format i said i'm playing an orzov deck so a two-color deck but as i was looking through what really surprised me was just the amount of fixing and the ability to really play whatever colors you want in this format. Um, just a few things that I saw at common, um, all the border posts, which are artifacts that, uh, tap for one of the allied colors. So allied colors is, are much more supported just in general and magic, but there's the border posts, um, all the diamond cycles, which are, uh, you know, like fire diamond, moss diamond, two mana artifacts come in tapped tap for one of their color, all the guild gates, all the signets, um, all the panoramas from, Shards of Alara Block, all the Ravnica Bounce Lands, those are all at common. Um, plus, you have things like Felwar Stone, Star Compass, Darksteel Ingot, Commander Sphere, all as mana rocks that will provide you basically any colors you want. So I was looking through and I was like, it really is super easy to play whatever colors you want. Like, you're not going to be restricted, uh, even though you don't have access to, like, a Reflecting Pool, a Mox Opal or something. Um, especially for two-color decks, which is great because so many of the partners from commander legends are one color a piece so two partners that's two colors right there it's pretty easy to establish a sort of mana base for that though you're going to be playing a lot more tap lands than you normally would but you know you just got to accept that <laughs> right yeah it would be slower in a in a similar vein to what you were just talking about julian and i think i mentioned it earlier almost all of the land enchantments are at common so all the cards that say oh enchant target land and it taps for more mana or it taps for different mana. So like 
Cards that see play in other formats, like Fertile Ground, Utopia Sprawl, Unbridled Growth is another really powerful oh, one. Those are good cards. That are just like good cards are all there and available for mana fixing. So pretty much whatever colors you play in, you're going to be set, especially if you're playing in like green and something else you're going to be in a pretty good position there. That That is one thing that I uh, wasn't super happy to see, that even in Popper, green is still just <laughs> cheating basically just as much as it does in uh, all the other formats. Uh, Chev, you saw a lot of ramp when you were looking. So the big thing that I think is also important to keep in mind is like there's this unofficial sort of rating system to how cards work when they're put into Commander Precons first. And it's like if, if the card is going to be unique to a given deck or Precon, It'll get rare or mythic, generally, depending on power level. If it's going to be in more than one, but it's not like a super intense ability, they generally put it at uncommon. But if it's something that's kind of like the latest and greatest as an idea for a default commander card, it's generally printed at common. So, you know, this is definitely a different design philosophy than when going at it with a normal set. But you end up with things like Command Tower and Ash Barons, Path of Ancestry, the Tribal Land, it are all at common. And then, you know, from these reprint sets, although some of them were common initially, you also have the Kodama's Reach, the Cultivate, the Nature's Lore, the Three Visits. All of them are available at common. And I, I, I don't remember the exact sequence of, you know, whether they started uncommon and came down or fluctuated all over like they normally do, like the Bounce Lands. But, you know, for whatever reason, these are all available at common. So to Julian's point and to all of our benefit, except his, uh, green definitely has a solid package to ramp as hard as it does normally. And like, you know, that's the other thing, especially in green black, like you have all of those green ramp spells, which I ended up not using a lot of them because elves, but in black, you have all of the classic draw too, like siphon mind, sign in blood, read the bones, all at common, allowing you like a lot of the same draw package you might have in a more high powered uh, EDH deck. I do want to say though, Chev, even though I'm not playing green, I was very conscious when I was constructing my deck in terms of getting things that could ramp me like you were saying there are still a lot of really good mana rocks at common like i said commander sphere arcane signet wayfarer's boblo bobble incredibly underrated card um which is an artifact that actually goes and gets you a land that's also at common so there are a bunch of good mana rocks that i will be employing i just won't physically be grabbing lands from my deck you know saves me on shuffling though it's true. Save all of us a little bit of time. So I, I think we've mostly been talking about cards where like, oh, we're surprised to see these at common because they're staples. There's definitely those where, oh, these are powerful or, oh, these you play like Ristic Study and Mystic Remora both have been at common at different points in their life cycle, which is insane that that powerful of draw spells have existed. But I think that there's a different way to sort of define like uncommon other than just like power level and like how much play it sees, which is like uniqueness of effect. Kind of along those lines, and a card that I always forget, which I run in one of my decks, and I know you do too, Chev, I forget all the time that it's common, is Snuff Out, which always just, it's it's such a cool card because it's one of those, like, you know, it's obviously, it's not quite as powerful as, like, Force of Will, but it, it is along those same lines where it's, like, you can play it for free in the sense that you don't pay any mana. And I know this is, like, a relic of Magic the Gathering design philosophy but you know it's it's cool to see <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it yeah, was way no, before definitely. our time and uh it, it feels like you're just playing a really powerful card i've played uh, a bit of pauper in the past not as much recently and like one of the cards that's really stuck out to me was uh, mystical teachings and so if you don't know this is a three and a blue you get to 
tutor up uh, an instance or a card that has flash, and then it has the card itself has flashback for I think six and a black. I, I always saw it as like a really like powerful effect and just surprising to me that it like such a such a broad tutor could exist in. Uh, a format like Popper. Yeah, I, I know, Chev, you're, like, super excited for the new reprint of Vampiric Tutor uh, coming in Commander Legends, right? And, you know, that's... I feel like that's just what everyone thinks of whenever they think of commons. So, like, Vampiric Tutor, you got Worldly Tutor, you know, all that stuff. It just it costs a million dollars, but, like... You got, like, Mystical Teachings and, and uh, like, Merchant Scroll. Those, those are just some cards I, I, I really like, and, you know, every time I'm doing research for a new deck, I... I, I stumble across them, and I, it just reminds me of how cool of a format it is. It makes me want to play again. Yeah, I, I, I think I actually agree with that a lot in terms of, like, unique cards that are printed at common. And I, I think that's an interesting way of measuring, like, rarity as, as opposed to power level as, like, uniqueness of effect. Initially, I'd planned to talk about a different card here, but I completely misunderstood it. Uh, so instead, I'll be talking about slow motion. Two and a blue enchant creature. Uh, at the beginning of the upkeep of the enchanted creature's controller, that player sacrifices that creature, unless they pay two. Uh, when slow motion is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return it to the owner's hand. So it is just the slow, murderous stacks of, hey, you owe me two mana every turn, and if you don't, your creature dies, and I get to do this again. A really unique effect that I would not have expected to have seen it common. Like, if I opened up a pack of the next set tomorrow and saw that as a common card, I'd be like, what is going on at Wizards? But at one point, apparently, they were like, everyone should have this effect. I like that. It's like in Monopoly, where you just, if someone lands on your space, you're like, rent, baby, rent, what's up? And then, God forbid, you're putting, like, hotels and stuff on, then you're really... Gotta start making copies of this card. That's that's actually a really cool card. When Next go-around, when I make my blue deck, like Merchant Scroll, Mystical Teaching, Slow Motion, they're all going in there. I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> wilding out here. I'll be running every piece of black removal. And uh, Julian, I have to ask, are you running the white counter spells in your deck or no? Did they now make the cut? Chev, those cards don't make tokens, so no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting way to look at the 99 other cards in your deck. I wonder how many basics are in there. <laughs> um, how many basics? There's well, they don't make tokens. Forbidden Orchard makes a token. I don't know if that's common. That's true. I don't think that's it's a common. Garden. common. That's green. <laughs> I'm really, I like, you know, I know we've talked about a lot of the cards that like we're surprised are at common, but but like Eric has been bringing up, I'm really interested to, after we play, see a lot of like the hidden tech that we found that's also at common. Like a lot of the cards that, you know, you wouldn't run unless you had this sort of restriction or that might be super cool. Like Eric went into one creature enchantment, um, slow motion, and kind of on the other side of that, uh, one of the cards I found and I'm excited to play is uh, Blessing of Leeches. It's uh, one black and two generic enchant creature. Uh, it has flash, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life. So, you know, that's meh. Um, but then it has the activated ability of tap zero mana, regenerate enchanted creature. So, you know, like in a, in a format that can't play Swiftfoot Boots or Lightning Greaves, to lose one life a turn to just keep your biggest powerhouse alive through everything except exile, that reads to me as a pretty freaking good effect, especially because I can activate it as many times as I want per turn. One one last uh, thing I want to point out before we talk about our, our next topic is uh, if you're trying to build a red deck, I know Oak loves uh, you know throwing some throwing some fireballs around. All the good red burn is at common. Lightning bolt, chain lightning, lightning strike. Lava Spike, um, 
Lava Axe, Rift Bolt, and there there was one more that I saw that I, I, I knew. They're all at common. Like, if you want to make, like, a burn deck, you can. Pauper Burn was terrifying in the format. Like, when I was playing, and I, I, I only played a little bit, not as long as Oakley, but I had a deck that focused around hexproof creatures and just loading them up with enchantments. Burn, if they could get in there before I could give my guys hexproof or just delete my life, terrifies me. Yeah, and this, obviously, it's not quite as... Uh effective in you know a four-player format which is why we're uh well i mean none of us are playing red so you can kind of uh see what's going on there it would be interesting to see how powerful those cards are against other creatures and stuff mm-hmm. I-, I know i definitely had to reevaluate a lot of the way that i looked at cards when going into this sort of like deck building like what would be a focus compared to other edh games and i think julian was talking about it earlier like when when you see a lot of the same mythic spells and big uh, gold spells that kind of end games, uh, and knowing that a lot of those effects are super powerful and not going to be what we're seeing, like what becomes valuable? Uh, and so, you know, with, with elves, one of the big things that I kind of leaned heavily on was I think, you know, combat and creatures are going to be, you know, the, the deciding factors of a lot of this. So as opposed to either tokens or just big beefers, when it comes down to it, I was thinking, you know, like, let's do let's do as many creatures as possible because I think, like, combat is going to be super important. And to that end, there's specifically this one elf um, from Conspiracy 2, uh, but it got reprinted in Commander Legends, that uh, makes you the monarch. And if you're monarch, it can block an additional creature. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. But I was terrified of including it and doing anything to bring monarch into this. And I hope none of you bastards did anything to do with monarch because like i know that that's going to be a super contentious thing especially with uh some one one flyers that we might have in the ortsov camp i'll be looking to add monarch to my deck now <laughs> i knew it was going to show up eventually i thought i would just you know bring it out and say that i'm going to be the bigger man and not include it and then i'll just smite all of you when you when you do it attacking is going to be the name of the game and then like when it comes down to it you know how well can you protect those people that are attacking that kind of goes into uh, why I, I felt like it was necessary to include Blessing of Leeches and these sort of like more weird protection since, you know, creatures are really going to be the, the workhorses. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you a lot, Chev, on that in terms of like what is going to be good is high value creatures, things that just when you play them, maybe they drain a card or a card and a half or two cards from your opponents. Blessing of Leeches is a great example of that. Or, you know, if I'm able to stick like a ninja of the deep hours and, you know, pump them up to be like a seven, seven with a couple of enchantments on the board over the course of two turns. That shit's going to be a nightmare. That'll be terrible. Removal is super hard. Good draw is super scary in this format. And so things that put you up are going to keep you up because a lot of the comeback mechanics and like leveling out mechanics aren't around and i know oakley wanted to talk about that oh yeah um so i i I mentioned this a bit earlier and this is totally in line with what eric is saying but um it's really hard to trade um many for one in pauper um and usually if you get many it's only a couple like smaller creatures most of the board wipes which like i can think of like electricery and like echoing decay off the top of my head um, they only take care of, like, very, very small creatures. Just in general, in EDH, like, board wipes are a very format-defining thing. Like, you get so much value off of them, and so many decks run them. It's, it's like, their own category. It's like, okay, I got ramp, I got creatures, I got board wipes. 
yeah, it's just it's hard to understate um, how how different I think the lack of board wipes is going to uh, make things run. As a man who has cast Wrath of God and its various incarnations several times, I agree. Those are very effective at get a clean slate, especially when as the control mage, I'm usually the most open in terms of the red zone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like like everyone's been saying, so I think that combat is going to be a lot of the name of the game. I actually think this is going to turn out to be a lot more like a limited sort of event like you might get in a commander legends or a conspiracy where there's you know it's a four player limited sort of thing in that i think there's going to be a lot of just grinding a lot of like board stalls combat math is actually going to matter i think the biggest thing is that there's just there's no bombs i mean even if you just play a you know your given set of limited zendikar rising or whatever like you know you could just open Omnath or Phylath or, you know, Dream Trawler from Theros or something like that. And those cards just win games. But, like, there's not even those cards in this format. It's really just nickel and diming. There's removal, but it's clunky at, uh, most of the time. So, like, you really have to make sure that you uh, are hitting what you need. The other thing is, though, there's going to be a lot less of what you might consider degeneracy. So I don't think combo decks or, you know, combo wins are going to exist at all. There's not. I don't really think there's going to be much recursion or reanimation, so I don't think you need to pack, like, Graveyard Hate or anything. Like, I saw Tormod's Crypt was that common, but I was like, I don't need that. And another thing that I, I feel like a lot of times cards like Swords, Path, are really prized because they exile, but unless your opponent is running uh, Blessing of Leeches, like, I really don't think there's any need for exile either. So um, I think I'm only running one card in my deck that actually exiles things just because it's just, you, you don't need it. No one's reanimating anything really yeah i i think specifically in terms of like board stalls and like board locks i i can easily foresee a situation where you know maybe one or two of us get knocked out early but the last two people left at the table tomorrow are just gonna be like all right can't kill him if i attack if i swing he'll kill me on the backswing pass and then the other two people just you know maybe they go grab some ice cream order some food it's going to be a minute. There's a reason I stocked up on a uh, beer before our, our, our play session tomorrow. <laughs> I have to make sure I, I'm fully prepared for it. Fridge, fridge is going to be full. On the topic of board wipes real quick while I think about it, there were two cards that were like guessed to be a little bit, um, not necessarily format defining, but really big boons for Popper. Because of course, like when, when we think about rarity, and this has been kind of one of the things we brought up tonight a couple times, but like rarity has the idea that more complicated cards will show up at the higher rarities, but be also because like in a limited environment, you want to see them less frequently. And so cards that are at common are cards that are kind of like the the bedrock of successful strategies where you know you you add in the uncommons and rares that kind of like help that strategy but th th it's mostly the foundation and so when you get to things like board wipes that would be super helpful in this format when wizards is printing a set they never want wrath of god at common and everyone to be opening one because then games would take forever so when commander uh, legends put out i think it's fiery cannonade it's from ixalan it wasn't uncommon but it deals two damage to every non-pirate creature and it was like oh damn okay like this is you know as close to a wipe as we can get um and they also printed eye blight massacre at common which was originally from origins and it's i think all creatures get minus two minus two until end of turn but again this goes into kind of like what oakley was talking about with his deck where all the creatures are bigger than that so he will just chuckle and kind of like continue to step on us as we hit him in the shins 
He does get to watch Julian cry, though. Yeah, those cards would absolutely mess me up. It does It does do some things to Julian's board. <laughs> this is true. That's another thing, just uh, as something that was noticed. I was like, oh, I've got all these tokens, like especially like flying ones. Like I got a bunch of 1-1 spirits. Let me beef them up. There are like no mm. anthems at common. Yep. There's nothing that's None. just like creatures you control get plus one, plus one, or whatever. So that's... That was a struggle, balancing that sort of thing. I was looking for those in Simic, and I, I was curious if you found any in white, but uh, looks like no. <laughs> There's a whole lot of, uh, like, four or five mana. Your whole team gets plus two, plus oh, or, like, your whole team gets plus one, plus one. And I'm like, oh, this is so, so bad. You should play those. <laughs> I'm playing Especially a few. the two oh one. I'm playing, I'm, playing a, I'm playing a few, but, you know, it's you got to balance in terms of... Are those in white? Yeah, there's not there's not okay. really any in black. Yeah, no, I was that's what I was looking for. Green and black, and I just couldn't find anything. The closest I can get is this like one two punch of having an elf. I think it's called like elf taunter. That means all creatures that can block him will block him. And then swing with someone else who just has the power and toughness equal to the number of elves I control. Um and try and get through that way. Because there is no there's a few cards that give you like individual buffs equal to number of creatures or number of elves or whatever but there's nothing that makes your your sizable board even bigger you kind of have to like bet on one horse and it makes trample also like super super nice chip did you happen to see the card magnify by any chance magnify i did not can you enlighten yeah it's um so it's not like a permanent anthem or anything like that but it is a one mana green instant all creatures Oh, this is interesting. Actually, I'm just rereading the card. I'm seeing that it says all creatures get plus one, plus one till the end of the turn, which obviously is much that's terrifying. Much better with, when you're going wide than large, like I am, but maybe not as much against Julian's probably equally wide deck. <laughs> yeah, that would just be everyone is slightly beefier. But that's that's an interesting card. I think I think a lot of this stuff, and I hope I hope we get a chance, you know, in the coming weeks to kind of debrief. Uh, from what our our games tomorrow night end up like Uh, just to see like you know what cards were important which one of our ideas kind of like paid off and then what things we need to add to our deck so I know we've all talked about you know like we have this amount of removal we have this amount of ramp we have this amount of other stuff but like we don't know in what proportions those things will be super good especially in our um, sort of like play group which is generally the isolated environment that we'll be playing this. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, you're probably wondering how we found all these cool cards that we're looking for, or that we're, that we're talking about, <laughs> that we were looking for. It's not always an easy answer. You know, there's no EDA trek for uh, Popper, for example. I think we all have, we all found these things in different ways, so we're going to take a minute to sort of share them. My, I have a couple, like, big recommendations. The first one would be just to keep up or for, for sets going forward, just to keep up with spoilers, and especially study what is good in Limited, because frequently you'll hear about cards that are just, like, limited bombs, and those cards, a lot of the time, end up being very good for Popper as well. For sets coming out, you can always do that, but uh, it's kind of hard to look at the whole scope of sets that have already came out, Honestly, the best thing I'd recommend for that would be to just get in there and play the game. Um, on MTGO, you can build a deck for, like, probably $2 and uh, play against all these really awesome decks. But, like, I've definitely 
got like combos and stuff I've incorporated from decks that I played against. So so when you say uh, play on MTGO Oakley, are you talking about regular popper or popper edh oh a uh, regular popper sorry yeah thanks thanks that's gotcha. that yeah, is yeah. a good clarification a, a lot of stuff does translate between the two uh, i'd imagine actually i can't even say that because i obviously i haven't even played a single game yet but like uh, i base i think i based a lot of uh what i what i know from playing in the past off of it yeah there's that and for whatever you don't know uh, personally I use MTG Goldfish's uh, breakdown of the Popper meta. This, again, comes with the disclaimer that it's the non-EDH uh, Popper meta, since there really isn't a site that keeps track of that. Some might say there isn't a meta at all. Yes, yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Uh, I, I find that the site, especially just looking at sort of the top decks, is you know, if you find there's some like gaps in your deck or you don't really know where to get started, the top decks really have just like a ton of the good like staple popper cards and in, in fact the card i was just you know mentioning to chev that i brought up was uh something i i looked or you know i'd seen previously on the elves listing yeah i would say like this this format we've mentioned that like there is no edh rec for popper uh edh and i think for right now until someone goes ahead and develops that it is super good for the format just because like you know it allows us to go back to a time when the internet wasn't as like we we can't really rely on everyone to have built the best strategies for these cards already but we still have the tools like scryfall and um goldfish that like give us access to if we know what to look for it can show us all things that have like a certain criteria but we don't have the tool that tells us which of them are best we have all the information at our disposal but there's no clear tool on how best to use it and I think that that is like, it, it allows for a super interesting environment. And we've already seen like, besides me, everyone is taking at least one step outside their comfort zone to uh, to build these decks. If you are really struggling to get started, there's a really sweet community on Reddit r slash popper edh that I, I did spend some time looking on when I was looking for, you know, what resources are there out there for this format. And they do a fantastic job of kind of like highlighting some of the more niche cards that are are powerhouses in this format. There's constantly people asking for deck advice and stuff, but even that is a much smaller scale than just the sheer analytic engine that is EDH rec. I agree, Chev. As much as I love EDH rec, I think that there's a certain simplicity and novelty. When I first was going, I was like, I think I just want to, I think I want to make a Boros deck. So I literally just typed into Scryfall like, what cards are within the Boros identity and are at, com at common. And it was like, here's 3,500 cards. And I was like, well, guess I'm just going to look through these. And I saw a ton of cards I never even heard of, some that looked pretty good, you know, some that were trash, you know, no surprise. <laughs> but uh, I think there is even a merit in that just to be like, well, what are my – if you really have the time to just kind of look at these things. And, I mean, I've been looking over the past week ever since we kind of decided we were going to do this. It's never been more easy to just – find cards on your own and really see what it is you want to do, especially when it comes to these unloved cards, you know? I mean, no no one's ever super excited to be like, oh, dude, I'm putting this, like, five-mana 6-6 six, six in my deck. People are like, no, I'm putting Cyclonic Rift in my deck. I also checked out Popper, uh, the Popper subreddit. They seemed really great over there. I actually saw uh, a couple podcasts that appear to be dedicated to Popper EDH, so wow. I might actually give them uh, a look if we uh, continue to grow in this sort of uh, thing for our game nights. Um, also, I do want to say I didn't get to throw my deck into the ringer because I was still ruminating over it until about two hours ago. But um, from everything that I saw, everyone on there seems to be like super welcoming, super nice in terms of 
suggestions and how people should get into i saw a ton of people just being like i want to get into the format and everyone was super welcoming and ready to Mm -hmm. kind of get them started so i think that's definitely a great place to start especially if you don't mind a little bit of uh, interaction over on on reddit I, I i sort of want to echo what a lot of people have been saying where you know once i had like an idea of my deck i was like okay i kind of want to make this like an adrix by master of trust deck where you know you just get in with the little boys and they draw you some cards so let me look at adrix by master of trust pulled up the edh rec link i pulled maybe two cards from there it was so largely unhelpful and then i ended up actually going to a lot of the same resources as these guys where you know just like julian i went to scryfall and i was like tell me about simic cards that are enchantments and legal and pauper go <laughs> and i i found some sweet stuff in there i never would have found out about slow motion what a powerful card what a gem <laughs> what an absolute dime but yeah I, I think that you get the opportunity to look at cards where either you're looking through and you're like why is ristic study a common who did that who let this happen or you're you get to go out and find your Find your slow motions and uh, take a look at some browsing reads or something. Having the opportunity to look through all these old cards. Like I said, it's sort of like when I first discovered like CEDH or like discover a new format and, and get to look at a ton of new cards all at once. And it's just this massive influx of information. And it's really cool for the deck building muscles. Tomorrow, we're planning to actually play this in person. And then hopefully, like I said earlier, that we'll be able to give you all our thoughts on, you know, this format and changes we might make for our decks and new ideas afterward. But before we move on to kind of like the final um, quick update for the evening, is there any last minute thoughts about Popper that you guys have been thinking about or things you're excited for in particular? I'm excited to attack, attack with creatures. Chev, I'm, ex- I'm excited to hit you for like 10, each of which is an individual ping from 10 different flying spirits. I'm excited to hit you back with 10 where 10 is 10 individual elves i'm excited to play 10 enchantments in one turn all of which are terrible <laughs> I, i'm i'm just honestly excited to be thinking about popper again it's something i've kind of uh put to the side for a little while but it's honestly mm-hmm. such a such a fun format i who knows maybe i'll maybe i'll make a video or a deck tech I, I think we got in at a similar time. I personally wanted to spend less than $5 at a hole on MTGO. And so, like, I remember that was definitely, like, pretty solid popper summer of just going through, always finding cues to play, and always finding, like, interesting games where the meta was just so radically different than uh, any other format. I seem to remember us playing, like, during our Algo uh, class. It was definitely Algo, and it was definitely at least sophomore year of college, because yep. I also convinced my roommate at the time to join on, and he right. did a Tron deck. And he just, like... He, he was playing Popper, I think, for years, at, well after I'd hung up my hat and even switched to MTGA. He was showing me his latest, like, Tron tech. It was super cool. That's awesome. <laughs> well, boys, we've talked about a lot of cards that are cheap. Now let's talk about some cards that are more expensive, but also maybe cheap. We're bringing back one of our favorite segments. It's Finance with Chev. Go, go, go. <laughs> Welcome back. We're, we're going to do another finance update with Chev. This is one of my favorite things because MTG stocks can give you the like Friday updates on the, the, the big movers and stuff, but they rarely go into detail on like larger trends besides like buyouts and things like that. So it's super cool to be able to give this information, um, especially under the new Hex Drinker's name and Neon Snake. So, you know, we spent a lot of time on this podcast and last specifically talking about Commander Legends last podcast 
was, you know, very specifically Commander Legends. Um, this time it's more that three of us out of four are going to choose Commanders out of the Commander Legends pool. Eric is the, the one person who decided that Theros Beyond Death is where he's going to find peace and happiness. But while we do, you know, we look at these things and there's been a lot of talk over the pre-release prices for a lot of Commander Legends cards. I know we talked uh, last time about Staff of Domination, Dominion, I forget. Um, Domination being like ridiculously cheap compared to what it was. And uh, Rings of Birthright being ridiculously cheap. But the thing there is there's still pre-release prices. So you should very much hold off. Um, Birthright is not the right name. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm laughing at you butchering all of these names. <laughs> I, it's it's all these staples that were always too expensive for me to actually care about. What what is the name of rings of something? Bright Hearth. Bright Hearth. Bright Hearth. Yeah, that sounds better than Birthright. <laughs> so rings of Bright Hearth. But all these things that you know are so incredibly expensive and do such a specific thing that I can't even remember their specific names. But I would plead that unless you like desperately need one, which you don't, because we're in lockdown at least in the U.S., hold off a little bit. Um, we're going to focus on Double Masters. I know a lot of you probably forgot what that was, but it came out about three months ago, and so we're reaching the point when it's at maximum supply because everyone who would be opening Double Masters, which is all Commander players, are now going to be opening Commander Legends, which is still all Commander players. So, you know, this period is really well known for buying singles of the previous set. Tomer from MTG Goldfish was talking about this on Twitter a little bit, like the best time to pick up singles. Um, but I think it's doubly <laughs> important here uh, when examining what else is going on in the world. Uh, we're still up in a pandemic that's hindered the supply of Jumpstart and have pushed back the release of Commander Legends by at least a month. And with a, a return to lockdowns, Paper Magic isn't really at its its finest point. You know, I, I think for us, we we haven't opened packs since we did a spell table uh, Zendikar Rising pre-release, just because there's nothing to do with them. There's no Friday Night Magic, stuff like that. But it, it means that the, the max supply that we can expect to be open from Double Masters is probably a little bit less than what could have been if we were in, you know, a fully functioning world. So, you know, on, on one side, you can see this is like, you know, there's less supply and it could rebound quicker because people are already moving on to the next big thing. But on the other hand, you could also play devil's advocate here and say that because we're still in lockdown, because the pandemic is such a huge thing, no one is going to be playing Paper Magic anyway. So these prices really might not move. There, there's no real changes in demand, nothing happening in the meta really besides new announcements from Wizards on new cards that could tank prices. But we might not see as much movement because less people are, are selling and a lot of these big cards haven't budged in at least a, a month. Take that how you will. Uh, the take that I, I'm going to um, be proposing here is that you really want to jump on the more valuable cards that are from Double Masters. Like maybe the, the $15 plus cards you want for your collection. Um, and grab them in the next month or two before Double Masters slowly starts to increase in price. Um, but I would wait on everything that's kind of below uh, that $15 threshold. Because again, like we're not going to see a lot of paper magic changing hands. But the things that are going to cost your wallet the most in a change in price are going to be the ones that are already high value cards. So I'm talking things like, you know, doubling season or exploration that you remember at being like 60 and 45 ish dollars respectively are currently down to 40 and 18 which still aren't cheap but considering doubling season is so you know valuable whether you're doing tokens one one counters uh super friends that it, it could very easily jump back up and we can only see this reprinted so many times and with exploration like 
wow, green is good at lands. Like we're always going to see new synergy for green and lands to be printed. So having something like this at such a low price is definitely a good point to jump on it because the issues with if you wait are a much higher um, area to kind of lose out on than the four or $5 card you might be looking at. So with that, I would say, you know, to round this all off, definitely look at and keep tabs on the cards that are above $15 that you really want to buy. And I would jump on those in the next month or two just to prevent the case that they're going to go up because they're certainly not going to go down. And maybe, you know, even at the expense of the lower or less expensive cards that you would be getting, because I think the um, chance of them skyrocketing is, a, is far lower. Chev, what's your uh, what's your number one pickup? What are you, what are you gonna hop on the interwebs and and buy with these uh, new deflated prices? Um, so personally, what I picked up is actually Sneak Attack, which is currently sitting around fourteen fifteen dollars, I think, um, but was twenty five twenty six before printing. Last seeing, I think in Eternal Masters it got printed, but because it's a sort of like wild effect that we don't see much anymore, besides like a much more watered down version in red and with synergies with Obika which was spoiled and is going to be in Commander um, Legends. That's the uh, turn stop ability, and that would negate the bad side of Sneak Attack, which is, of course, pay one generic or pay one red, put a creature from your hand on the battlefield, sacrifice it at end of turn. You skip the end turn phase. You're just dropping creatures on the board for one red mana. Um, so I, I jumped on one of those, not wanting to wait uh, to pick that up, especially if I end up building the uh, Obika deck. Always cheating. Always a degenerate finding the ways the good tech well boys it sounds like we've reached the end of the cast i believe we have it's been a pleasure fun talking with you guys i'm excited to get into our games tomorrow i'm sure we'll report back to the listeners later listeners remember you can find us on anchor uh, apple podcast spotify and wherever better podcasts are found and if you can't find us there let us know and uh we'll get it up there remember to check us out on our website you can see all of our articles um, if we're streaming, you'll also be able to see this and future or earlier podcasts. And remember to uh, check us out on Twitter and or Instagram, chat magic with us, interact, and uh, tell us why all of Chev's uh, in, uh, you know, opinions are wrong. Please. Also feel free to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitch. That way you can know when we're streaming, know when YouTube videos go up. We'll be pushing more content out in terms of you know, good YouTube videos, good highlights of either our Twitch streams or just independent games. That way we can give you more Hex Triggers content in more different forms. Amen to that. Eric needs people to come and support him in the uh, in the CEDH, CEDH lobbies. Also casual EDH. I understand it's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. A little bit of Monica in my life, a little bit of Jessica by my side, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, this has been Jules for Oak, Eric, and Chev. This is Hextrakers signing out. (laughs) 